Hello, listening to Artspin with on Nation with myself, Christian, today. And I'm very happy to be joined here in the studio with Sean Bedlam. He's here to talk to us about his Melbourne Fringe Festival show, Death to America. What a title. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks very much for having me. Absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, like I said, in, intriguing title and plenty of intriguing ideas, of course, with the show. So can you tell us about sort of the journey journey from like, um, you know, initial inspiration for the show to like, where it's at now, um, about to start at the Melbourne Fringe. Mm. Well, I've been doing stand-up comedy in Melbourne for uh, about seven years. Uh, About a year or so ago, I quit, as lots of people do, and announced that, and then several months later decided I wanted to get back into it, which, again, is incredibly common behaviour. People rage quit from stand-up comedy all the time. And I decided what I wanted to do was a solo show, and I said to my partner and producer joe that it would be really really funny to do a show called death to america and she (laughs) agreed which surprised me and then we ran the idea by by a bunch of friends and they said yeah you should totally do that Uh, apparently that title suits my personality uh so i've had to write a show that fits that title um which has been a good challenge Actually, mm. it's, it's it's a ridiculous thing to do, but uh, I've had to come up with a show that fits the title and justifies something that's, I was going to say, potentially inflammatory. Clearly, it's ab- total, it's inflammatory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if people are super offended by it, I'm not going to say, oh, no, it's not, because of course it is. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, th- th- I think that has a nice sort of symmetry to it as well, because like, you know, for, for audiences, when they're coming to a show like this, or when they're coming to a show in general, uh, especially in like a big program like like Fringe, like the entry point is probably going to be the title, or sometimes yes. the name. So it's interesting that that's like where it started for you even, like title and then the rest. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's sort of a new thing for me. I haven't hmm. done that before. I've hmm. had shows before that... I have struggled to know what to call them. I've struggled to know how to say to people, this is going to be political stand-up comedy, but it's going to be really good and you're going to like it. Because <laughs> to me, political stand-up comedy sounds boring, the thought of it. But, but so I think it's going to attract an audience who, I don't know, are mad lefties, I don't know, people who've got a great sense of humour. I'm not sure what people will see when they see the poster. Well, the post mm. is ridiculous too. It's it's very bright and it's super colourful and very silly. It's the opposite of the title in a way. <laughs> I'm, I'm holding a pitchfork, but everything else. Okay, I mean, okay, that's pretty full on. I've got I'll go, I do have a pitchfork, but mm. lots of lollies, lots of ridiculous bright colours. It looks like just the happiest, fun time, friendly place, <laughs> over the top, you mm. know bouncy castle of a show but it's called Death to America <laughs> uh, which is a pretty good in- uh, hmm. idea that gives a pretty good idea of what the comedy's like too because it's about very serious stuff hmm. uh, like American Empire but it's it presented in a supremely silly way which I've hmm. absolutely aimed for <laughs> to the point of yeah at, at some of it's I, I don't I'm trying to find a word to describe it that isn't extremely offensive no, I haven't got one. It's just really oh. silly. <laughs> silly. That's definitely not offensive. Yeah, <laughs> let's go with that. Yeah, yeah that, that that is interesting because that that sort of like over the top nature is really I feel what like a lot of people associate with like American culture. I guess both you know for what Ameri- what are Americans known for enjoying, but also sort of like the cultural output of America, like Hollywood and such, is that it's sort of 
extremes. So, you know, whether it's like extreme sort of happiness and like lightness with the poster or like extreme darkness and like mm. violence. Yeah. 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 Lots of uh, extreme highs and lows. Mm. You know, like Americans love to be super, super excited. They're also amazingly sentimental and they like to put those two things together and, you know. <laughs> Having, I, I visited the states a, a while back, and seeing it with my own eyes was actually it was pretty funny. Mm. <laughs> I, I found the place to be pretty pretty funny, actually, pretty a strange sort of a place. I mean, Australia's a strange place, but mm. you know, for different reasons, or mm. actually some of the same reasons, actually. Uh, but uh, yeah, just the size of things. They, they love things to be gigantically huge for no reason at all, you know, mm. uh, and very yeah, very colourful. That's better. It's very yeah. I one of the the things about the show was the idea of feeling superior to America and Americans, uh, despite mm. the fact that I've got you know, lots of American friends who are just people. They're fine, you mm. know. But it's the the idea and the propaganda of America versus the fact that humans live there and have mm. to live there and uh, don't strike me as particularly crazy people. But their country's crazy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting... That was a very long-winded, bullshit answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> it wasn't really a question, to be fair. It was more of a comment, so... <laughs> right. There you go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that you say, like, have to live there as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess that seems like a sort of pertinent, yeah, sort of way of looking at it, It's especially recently um, mm. with the last election. That was sort of... Because I um, had a friend who was on exchange there, um, and her exchange sort of started... In happier times, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And then she was there for the election, and, and then um, she wasn't able to leave until quite a bit after the election. Not too much after, but, yeah, she'd had to stay around for, I guess, longer than she'd wanted to. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's interesting, I guess, that, you know, some people do actually get to leave, but some people have to live there. Yeah. yeah. A friend of mine staying with us for a while is an American activist, and he... We suggested to him, why don't you just move to Australia? He, most of his stuff is writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we said, look, we've got the internet here. You can write here and get away from the gun culture, which is terrifying over there, like a, a cloud hanging over everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, and, um, and, of course, the lack of health care. You know, just those two things alone make the place a bit of a nightmare for people who are living there because they're constantly thinking about being killed or... The risk of having to go to hospital and then losing their jobs and becoming homeless and all these this sort of horrible, horrible stuff. And hmm. I think when Donald Trump became president, I think a lot of people around the world just went, well, that's it. America is now over, that they've had their century and, you know, what happens next? What, 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 what can life be like without the US domination of almost everything you know, hmm. across the planet? Hmm. Because their domination is pretty complete, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that includes the arts, you know, absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, they're certainly not, you know, the first empire by any means. Like, there's no. been quite, there's been several before them um, that have, <laughs> to put it in a little bit of a simplified way, like come and gone, yeah. um, you know, in the mm-hmm. grand scheme of things. Obviously, they, they've stayed for you know, a long time. But yeah, yeah they're um, certainly not the first. I don't feel like they will be the last. No, hmm. no, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, uh, who knows what is going to replace them? Actually, you know, I don't. Know. I mean, I'm pretty much an anarchist. I don't. I, I don't think the future is in 
government, national governments. I think the future is in grassroots movement, people organising at the grassroots and yeah, right down to the neighbourhood level and taking charge of their own lives. Yeah, see, again, I'm really glad I ca- called the show Death to America. <laughs> so yes. it's obviously a funny show. <laughs> the, the idea that I would get up on stage and spend 50 minutes talking like this super earnestly about what I think I mean, horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, it, I, don't know I find it... I, I, I've used the word interesting so many times in this interview, but another thing I find interesting is that you mm. said um, political comedy sounds boring to you. Mm. Um, because it seems to me that... Uh, maybe this is again one of those like especially now things Um, most stand-up comedy is political like in one way or another or at least you know gets to that point eventually and then maybe goes on to something else Um, Mm. but I'm interested to know you know imagine if uh, somebody's entire education about Donald Trump was through comedy like that's that's Mm -hmm. all you know not not the news anything like that just Mm -hmm. by watching comedy this is all they'd learned about Donald Trump and let's say the most recent US election I guess like how complete a picture they might actually be able to get if they just restricted themselves to watching comedy or consuming comedy I think there's a, an example of that and it was with the Daily Show during the Trump uh, the the Bush years where oh, yeah. people used that show almost as a news source and the problem with that turned out to be that the Daily Show actually had a fairly limited political view it mm. didn't really include the left all that much. And it, it, it's a, a kind of comedy that is critical of the status quo only in terms of its style, how it's presented. They're not really critical of the status quo in terms of the substance. They're quite happy for things to continue the way they're going with changes happening a little bit at a time over a period of time. Um, so, for instance, The Daily Show w- was very critical of uh, Occupy when it popped up instead of embracing it and commentating on it as a thing that was really interesting and had a lot going for it. They instead treated it as a joke. Um, so it showed that they were really close to the you know, the centre of politics where you know, it, it's not a really interesting place to be because, yeah, again, all you're commentating on is the style of things. W, w sounds stupid, you know, he looks stupid, um, but not commentating on what he's actually doing and what are the answers to what he's doing. So, I mean, I, but then again, look, I'm super critical of most political comedy. I find it to be simply commentating on what's going on and not presenting any idea of what could be different. There's right. no vision, hmm. I don't think. So, well, oh, sorry, go on. So, yeah, that. That. (laughs) That. Well, I suppose there are, you know, there are always easy targets. Trump, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, especially, like, for this show, Artsman, obviously, we we cover, like, all the festivals in Melbourne, all the arts festivals in Mm -hmm. Melbourne, of which there are many. Um, And in every single program, you you know, pops up at least a few times. Um, Maybe even in the Melbourne Festival. I'm I'm not entirely sure that I haven't, like, sort of combed my way all the way through that. Um, But anyway, yeah, there are easy targets. And there are, you know, there are cliches within political comedy, like, you know, just generally about, like, 
keeping the bastards honest kind of thing with politicians mm-hmm. and that you know they, they all lie and they all spin things and um you know they're all they all have an agenda or, or whatever which is yeah i guess i guess sort of what you're saying is like they're complaining but because they don't have they're not offering an alternative or a vision they're just sort of whinging without yeah without actually saying like what they would want instead yeah it's quite shallow they don't dig very deep you know mm. uh, as i was saying to you before the interview if i wasn't doing this i'd be making sculpture you know and mm. when you're making things with your hands uh you're trying to go deep mm. you're trying to you, you're trying to get beneath the surface the surface and discover something that is you know truly amazing and i have the same thinking about uh comedy I and mean, I, I i think uh, yeah the a lot of the stuff that's on TV, particularly yeah, US US TV, political comedy is very surface. It's quite clever. It's very quick, you know, witty, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But it's the kind of stuff that makes you feel clever for getting it, for getting the jokes yeah. and being on the inside. But it doesn't excite or inspire much. And I'm not talking about challenging people either. I mean, I think it's absolutely important to talk to people on a, le- a level if you're being funny on stage and you are lecturing people and talking down to them i, I can't stand that i don't mm. there's any reason to do that mm. i think you can go deep come up with interesting insights about what's going on that excite people and make them mm. you know yeah that they, they feel excited about what they're watching and feel excited about their own lives because i think you know a lot of popular culture doesn't excite your sense of your, yourself and your place in the world mm. you know, particularly much you know um but look, this is the thing. I'm a political comic and I'm really pretentious. That's my thing. <laughs> you really think so? Oh, oh yeah. sorry, as in being pretentious. Like, but yeah, clearly oh. you're a political comic. But yeah, yeah. 100%. You know, you've got to have a larger than normal ego and, you know, rate yourself to a ridiculous level to be thinking, I'm going to you know, get on a stage and do a show and it's going to grow and grow and eventually I'll have a Netflix special. <laughs> People will see that and then there will be a revolution that I kicked off with my brilliant ideas. Mm. Um, you know, look, I'll, I'll just say, right, I don't think that's actually going to happen, but that's definitely the way my pretentious brain works, you know. So, yeah. yeah. yeah but that's fine. That's who I am. That's cool. <laughs> You know, can't fight it. But yeah, might as well make it work for you. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's a, no, it's an interesting point. Like, with, uh, with just like performing in general, especially you know, sort of like a one-person show or like a solo show type mm. thing. A lot of people talk about like, oh, you have to have an ego. Like you have to be a bit, whether it's like egotistical or narcissistic to like ask people to come and you know, watch you talk to them, mm-hmm. to them, not at them, mm. <laughs> for an hour or whatever. Mm. Well... Mm. I mean, having said what I've just said, yep. I think it's really important to see the fact that people would come along and see you perform as something to be really grateful for. I was just over at Edinburgh Fringe Festival just having a look around. Mm-hmm. And I spoke to you know, a bunch of people doing shows and you know, a really common theme was people who've been doing comedy for a while realising what a... Um, I can't think of a better word than blessing. What a blessing it is to do shows and have people come and leave looking brighter and happier than when they came, you know, mm. and like how, the, well, yeah, what an amazing thing that is to be able to do that. It's, yeah. uh, it shits all over having a job, you know, mm. a, no, yeah, a normal <laughs> job, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I think one of the things that makes doing performing sustainable for a lot of people is realizing how lucky they are to be doing it Mm. instead of thinking where's my position in the pecking order 
because that's that's the ego side of performing you know comparing yourself to other acts you know oh yeah so yeah hmm. no, i just really love it yeah particularly yeah going over to edinburgh was a real eye-opener a huge festival and there was something about the massive size of it where there's something like 500 plus just venues mm. you know here at the melbourne comedy festival there's 500 plus shows yeah so this is the edinburgh you know the mm. scale of it though there's something about the size of it that was just really exciting you know so mm. it's a, a yeah absolutely inspiring and go over there and get amongst it and yeah that's where i'm going to take this show next year all right uh, yeah so i'll do Melbourne Fringe, Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne Comedy Festival and head over to Edinburgh at some point and probably when the festival is on is the point I'll go actually, come to think of it. But I might have to change the name of the show, I don't know. We'll see. It depends mm. if we um yeah, need police protection or any of that garbage. Oh. Uh. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much uh, for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Uh, yeah, great to hear about the show and can't wait to see it as well. And it starts next next Monday, the 25th of September. That's right. Running until Sunday, the 1st of October. So it's on at uh, the Dock Courthouse Hotel, 86 to 90 Errol Street, North Melbourne. For more info, you can head to melbournefringe.com.au. Yeah, thanks again. Thank and you very much. Appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, best of luck with the uh, Fringe Run and uh, future runs of this show, maybe under a different title. Oh, no, there's no future. <laughs> That's why the show is called Death to America. Thank you.